0: Today's topic we're focusing on the 27 Club.
1: Twenty-seven
0: Club. For those of you guys who don't mm-hmm. know what the 27 Club is, I think most people do. It's a bunch of musicians, famous musicians who all died at the early age of twenty-seven. Although it's not
2: all just musicians, like actually one of the Artist. more famous artists. Yeah, because Anton uh what's his name? He played um the doctor on the Star Trek movies. Anton Yakev. Yag-
1: oh. Okay. Anyway, we'll yeah, Anyway, it yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It could be anybody. Movie yeah. movie stars. Obviously, artists.
1: we weren't talented enough, or we would have died. <laughs> 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 I always say that to people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I so I'm alive still, so obviously I wasn't good enough to make the cut. <laughs> but it's cool.
0: Yeah, so, and we have a special guest with us today. He's full of music history. And he actually does the Album of the
2: Week.
1: Do you want re- to you want to do that for us right now, Joel? Yeah,
2: throw a live one at you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. So let's hear it. <clears throat> All right, hold on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Album of the Week. Nice. <laughs> there you go, man. And there <laughs> it, it is. It Here right. he is in person, everybody. There we go. Joel. Joel. I pass Joel through every Partika. once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Joel Partika, everybody. Party yes. with a K-A, god damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So yes,
1: we've brought Joel with us today to do our first ever history, uh, drunk history, drunk music. Jesus. Okay. We've brought Joel with us today to do our first ever drunk music history podcast episode. We're gonna do more of these moving on because when we first put out that we were going to be doing this, we got a lot of good reception for it. So I think it's gonna be a really fun thing. I really moving hope forward. I live up to the
2: hype. Really. You I'm will. Like, you uh, will. It'll be awesome.
1: Yes. So here we go. All right. Drunk music history session one, peeps, featuring Joel Partika.
2: Partika. Partika. <laughs> all right, Joel.
0: Hey, do you want to start it off? Who do you want to? St- who do you want to talk about first?
2: Well, first of all, let's actually talk about the 27 Club. Okay. And like, cause like, uh, it's kind of like a mainly like a societal and cultural phenomenon that it, it's mainly when like really extensively like large, huge artists end up dying at 27. And it was really prominent in the 70s, but then like. Literally, when one of our guys came out there, that kind of renewed the whole like, oh shit, like like twenty seven, okay, uh. but like really, it has nothing to do. Like like scientists have actually like studied this and like they prove that there's nothing really to it. But like if you're kind of astrological minded, like Saturn's return, which is like the day you're born, wherever Saturn is, like in like the next twenty seven to twenty nine years, like when it gets back to where you were born like it gets like that's one of your most like tumultuous times it's like people say it's like like your first four test yeah. yeah see there you go like yeah <laughs> there you go
1: I always thought 23 was my worst year
2: well cause it kind of like, like, like it, the range of it is like 25 to 29 but like most people like signify with 27 yeah just right. cause like with all these you, people you're really mature
1: right. for your age thanks it was the trauma <laughs> 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 so anyway, yeah, 27 club super crazy um, myths going on about this uh, like if you've written in here, Joel societal myths. And I remember like the I've heard a lot of things about people saying that the 27 club was sort of derived off of the idea of really starting with Robert Johnson because mm. he was um, someone that that Joel has had listed as someone that we want to talk about it, actually, and it's a good segue into it because Definitely. of the origin of the 27 club and a lot of people, really feel that it was it's something that happens when an individual in an individual sells their soul for their skills right and so um it, they started spreading this rumor in um the early 1900s when robert johnson was doing his thing because he essentially all these dudes were going out to the juke joints at night to go play music to go listen to music to go dance and the women weren't doing that because of gender roles Mm -hmm. so the women were staying home cooking dinner taking care of the children and then on sunday morning when church would come around they would take the kids to church the dudes were all hungover, still out at the juke joint so all of a sudden all of church all the baptist churches in the south started becoming straight up women and children and the pastors Mm -hmm. and stuff started to notice this and so they started to tell the women and children that your husband's that these juke joints, this is the devil's music. And that's literally how they tried to persuade these families to convince their husbands that it, they needed to come to the church because they were out oh, playing the devil's music. Okay. Weird. And so okay. that's where this right. whole myth came that they're selling their souls for their skills and they started to spread that rumor about Robert Johnson and it actually ended up ruining ruining his life.
2: Perfect segue into that actually. So like, yeah, let's Take talk it away, let's, Joel. let's straight up talk about the first person to start off the 27 club. And no, I am not talking about Alexandra Levy who the great Brazilian composer and pianist who did that. No, I'm talking about Robert fucking Johnson. All right. So
1: Robert Leroy Johnson. Yes,
2: he was born May 8th, 1911, in Hazelhurst Mississippi
1: in the Delta
2: Delta straight up. Now he was m- born to two people and one of them was at married at the time and actually had um, gotten run out of Mississippi by a lynch mob, which you can pretty much guess yourself why they were run out by a lynch mob, but he ended up going and living with his mother for a couple of years and coming back to um, Mississippi for, and to live with his father. And, um, he pretty much had an uneventful childhood. The the, the big his thing dad actually hated
1: music though. Also,
2: that, that is true. Anyway, right? but well, at least his adoptive father, like his his adoptive father because later on he was trying to like try to find his real father at some point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but kind of an uneventful childhood. The, the, talking about the whole devil thing, he when he married um uh Virgi- Virginia Travis in 1929. Um. And then she actually died during childbirth, and the child died with her. Um, Her family actually, like, blamed it on him, like, Yes, playing secular exactly. music, the
1: devil's music. Yes. They blamed it on selling
2: him. his soul to the devil and then corrupting his house. And not
1: only that, but he had been on tour actually at the time and traveling from city to city, oh, and wait, making wait, wait. money for so his family. So this is
2: his. This was Robert Johnson's wife, this not was his, his mom. is his second
1: wife. Actually, oh, his second. or his second like. Boo. Oh, but I
0: thought you were still talking about his his, mo- his no, mom. No, his second no, no, like no, 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 boo
1: lady that yeah. he got pregnant. Yes. Um, he went okay. on to tour oh, okay. and to play around in the Delta area, just traveling city to city. That's what people right. were doing yeah, at the time. That's what musicians were doing at the time. That were actually making money. And he came home from tour knowing that his wife was nine months pregnant and was really excited to see her and meet his child only to find out that she died and that it had died in childbirth oh. and to be completely disowned by the entire family and run out of the city because they blamed him for their deaths.
2: Oh okay. Saying that
1: if she hadn't married someone that played the devil's music, that, that wouldn't have happened.
2: And honestly, like Robert Johnson, like uh, a great like uh, biographer who did a whole extensive research on him. He found out that Robert Johnson kind of f- saw that event as like being like, "Wow, this should be like, this is a huge like indicator that I should just be a traveling musician and I should settle down with a kid yeah. and a wife." And so like And
1: then he turned into a. Hashtag drunk
2: ass. Hit, no, exactly, hashtag hidden and quit it to the nth degree. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> totally.
2: Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, but he kind of played around towns here and there, and then like the most significant like legend around Robert Johnson is like the significant like devil at the crossroads right like one of his like big mentors told him to like hit up this crossroads right outside of this plantation because actually blues players around that day used to hit up graveyards and like practice blues because they felt like the natural like the supernatural energy around there would actually influence their their, their playing ability and so he the legend is he went to this crossroads at night and this like devil figure came And essentially, like, he asked him, like, hey, I would love to be, like, the greatest blues player of all time, you know? Yeah. And then the devil is just like, look at him, you know, okay, you know, usually I could sell, you could sell your soul to me to get this great ability, or, you know, and I'm thinking, like, the devil in all, like, great blues, like, canon is the same goddamn devil. Yeah, one would think. Oh, you would think. He was like, you know what, maybe you could just get this great ability with... A fiddle contest, and I will tell you, scholars have told me or have, have, have written down,
1: <laughs> have written down
2: that Robert Johnson, like, eyed the up, I'd the devil up and down, took a step back, and he was just like, you know what, Satan, fiddle my nuts, whipped out his junk, yeah, <laughs> and then said, you know what, fill the tip as well if you mind, <laughs> if you don't mind, yeah, now. The devil obviously recognizes and he's like, you know, you got a set of balls on you. <laughs> I can literally see that right now. So, like, legend had it. Like, he actually took the guitar that uh, Robert Johnson was holding, tuned it, and gave it back to him. And then...
1: That was the other thing about it is so many people attest that he was a bad guitar player. Yeah. And then he, like, went away and he came went away back for like three, four like months. later yeah, it- and was, like... Phenomenal.
2: amazing yeah. and yeah. all these
1: people were like that he sold his he sold his soul like right yeah how
2: did he get so good so fast exactly. no yeah. exactly he like so he was good. looking at his guitar and is being like dude this is like the start of fucking like the greatest blues musician of all time this is the cornerstone of fucking rock music from this day on we're like this is the rhythm of the night yeah fuck corona the fucking <laughs> italian band and their 1994 I like hit that song though <laughs> no no robert johnson threw his guitar in defiance to god and fucking went this is the rhythm of the night yeah the night oh the. the rhythm of the night yeah that's what he did straight up
1: Yes, he did that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah,
2: I will attest to it. Yeah, I've, I've read I've documents. Seen, okay, scholars, had, have told you. got, scholars have told me. Scholars have told me.
1: Scholars have told me. So oh. it looks like here you have it written down that he either died of syphilis or poisoning. And I'll well, just say that the, the method that I heard of was that it was via, I think, a Netflix documentary um, yeah. where he just... They say that he died from, someone poisoned him, and ironically, the bottle of whiskey that was given to him in order to poison him, someone actually knocked out of his hands. Yes, I was about to say. And on the ground, and he, he's quoted as saying, um, don't you ever knock a $7 bottle of whiskey out of my hand yeah. ever again. Sonny yes. Williams. And he drank it, and he died. And apparently, it wasn't like quick. He died for like two or three days slowly AF.
2: Really? No, no, they because they thought it might have been strict nine, but like strict nine would have taken care of him like quick. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It took days. But they also die.
2: said that they might have had syphilis like diagnosed. like. But the thing was like he was he was found like on the side of the road by like a plantation like three miles out. And so there was never really like an official autopsy done because- so Around like that a, time, right. uh, finding a black man dead on the side of the road, just a quick thing. In
1: 1938. <laughs> this is yeah, exactly. 1938,
2: yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And also just to note, kind of interesting, there are only two photos ever known to be have have taken of Robert
0: Johnson. Okay. And the one so the one interesting thing I want to talk about is I just know Eric Clapton who's, you know, regarded as like maybe a more modern generation like, ultimate blues player. Yeah. Um and a lot of other famous, famous, talented blues players mm-hmm. of our generation or, or modern days um, have tried to play some of his songs. And they just, there's like, they're like, does he have two hands Seriously? on one arm? Like, because how does he, how is he doing this stuff? Seriously. So this is how good he was. Even yeah.
1: Keith Richards says that. He's like, we have to have a band. We have to have a bass player. We have to have a this and that. He didn't need any of that.
2: Well, and the crazy thing is. He did it all is- himself. He would, go, he would go to town to town, and when he would play concerts, a lot of the times he would just play, like, a lot of popular music. And he wouldn't even play his blues. But, like, two to three days, like, before he were to go to play, he would go to these towns and, like, literally play on the corners of streets and salons and, like, literally play the blues for people, just to busk, essentially. Yeah. And around that time, like, usually... Busker. Well, and around that time, like, he would usually find, like, it, it's well known, like, he would find, like... Not, like, the prettiest girl around, but, like, you know. <laughs> Three a or pa- five. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Just be like, hey, you mind if I stay with you for, like, a couple of days? And then he would literally, like, go around um farmhouses and, like, sleep there for a few days until either the boyfriend came back or he was ready to move on. Which is actually where the poisoning came from. They They suspect that he was actually poisoned by... The husband or a boyfriend of one of the women that he went home with. Mm. Interesting.
1: I did not know that. So that's yeah. really interesting. All right. Well, mm-hmm. Joel, take that shot, and we're moving on Woo! to our second, our second twenty-seven club. Yeah, 100. talking yeah. about. I'm, go,
0: I, I'm not on your level, so I'm going to go take a shot too here.
2: Yeah, let's 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 take a like, like put a little like intermission music in here while we do. this. Okay, so. we will. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: That was some uh, nice intermission music. Yeah, great shit. Don't you think? I, was honestly, the, what were
1: you we using? What was a sample of Joel? Oh, that laugh.
0: Yeah, we're gonna do that.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that laugh, Joel. Thank. Uh, we'll you resume. Know, with, I'm honored. We'll resume with um, most people's probably number one 27 club member.
2: Honestly, like like if Robert Johnson was like the like of like the blues like movement, like Jimi Hendrix Ta-da. is like bah, bah, was like. I think Rolling Stone actually told like ranked him the number one greatest guitarist of all time. Yeah,
0: I, and I agree with that. But you know what? Fuck Rolling Stone because they also rated Kurt Cobain in the top
2: ten. And we'll be getting to them we'll later. get there. Hey, yeah, we'll Sorry, I don't mean there. to jump side, the gun. All right. God damn. Pat. Steve
1: Vai was the best player to ever <laughs> live.
2: <laughs> the best player. I knew this guy who
0: lived down the street. Was, you guys didn't even know. Anyway, uh, all right. Okay. So we're moving
2: on. All moving right. on. Moving but, on. And I will so, introduce
0: this. All right, Joel. James Marshall Hendricks.
2: Yes. He was born November 27th, 1942, in Seattle, Washington. Now, James Allen Hendricks, who was his father, um, was in the military at this time that he was born. Was he was an Air Force guy, correct? He was, I believe, yes. Yeah. And he actually could not get the furlough that was, like, kind of granted to military people to take off for, for the births of their children. And so he was actually in jail like, because he was put in a position where he couldn't go AWOL, but he wanted to go AWOL. So he was in jail when he actually found out that was kid... And he James couldn't
1: get furlough? Yeah, he
2: couldn't get furlough. That's
1: whack, dude. So yeah.
2: why was he in jail? Did, was he trying to go AWOL to yeah, He was
0: trying to get AWOL
2: it. to go and see his kid? Oh, well, yeah, okay, okay. for people yeah. that
1: don't know, furlough is when you're in jail, you can make like a special request to go out for like a funeral or your kid's birth or whatever, and they'll like let you out on like very supervised leave, mm-hmm. depending on the security of the prison that you're in or whatever. Most oh, okay. well,
2: definitely. Yeah. So I don't
1: know that from personal experience. I know it from Orange is the new black. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So but buy my mugshot shirt. Go on.
2: So when he came back, he, um, he was with his wife, Lucille, and actually they had a very tumultuous relationship, and they actually divorced around when Jimi Hendrix was nine, which he was actually the same age as a 27 Club member down the road, but we'll get to that later. Um, one of the really fucked up little things that he did is when his mother actually died, his father didn't let him and his brother Leon go to their funeral he had them drink whiskey and said that was the way to honor their mother like well, the, uh,
1: seriously, well that's what that will be
2: doing toxic, <laughs> honestly no, I, that's like toxic like masculinity 101 no no don't express your feelings just drink some <laughs> just drink no some closure. whiskey and like no closure for as, you as no, exactly
0: as long as it's not poisoned by um uh, a woman's scorned husband. I guess. Well, if
1: he no. was nine and had already scorned a woman's husband, <laughs> <then> I would <laughs> be shocked. Oh,
2: uh, no. Jimi so. Hendrix had some big hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe it's around 18 or 19, he got into some legal trouble. And so he was basically offered, you can either go to jail or join the military. And he joined the military. So he was in the military for about 61 to 62 Around that time, he actually ended up meeting... And he was also... He was in the Army, but he was uh, like airborne unit, right? Yes, he did a lot of fucking jumps for the fucking airborne unit, actually. But he ended up meeting one of his uh, down-the-road really best friends and I believe his bassist, um, William Billy Cox, who was part of his band down the road. But he was one of the few people... Back in that day, that you could get a dishonorable discharge for just thought not caring about about <laughs> Like seriously, yeah. right. like he's like he's not really an exemplary soldier, so we're just gonna cut him because right. <laughs> right. <laughs> seriously, yeah. <laughs> now wasn't there exemplary. wasn't there rumors
0: about that? Because this is the one I I probably know the most about on your list here. Oh yeah, wasn't there rumors about the fact that he said he claimed he was gay to get discharged? Is that true? Is there any truth to I, that?
2: You know, there's accounts of that, but there's nothing like solid about that. Like, there's a few people down the road who kind of use that card around
0: that well, time. Yeah, but yeah, there's that, definitely people who have used that, like in the yeah. late '60s, to get out of the military mm-hmm, and but, into the well, like the '90s.
1: That's what they say now is that like if you don't want to be in the military, it's cool because you can just change your gender.
0: I oh, believe. Yeah.
2: So now yeah. it's coming. And it's, honestly, the I, draft
1: I, comes around. Oop. I'm a girl.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I believe I read somewhere that like it's his sergeant or whatever, his commanding officer, like literally wrote out for his like dishonorable discharge. Like or was that he, honorable or dishonorable? It was it was a dishonorable discharge, but it was for something that was like it, it was essentially it's like he's a comparable soldier but he like Yeah, you would throw him out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like he's <laughs> Cause actually at one point he actually wrote his father because he really wanted his um guitar back. Like he wanted his guitar on bass so he could play. And how he met Billy Cox was actually he was playing at a bar near the like the base.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And
2: so they kind of bonded on that that like that line. Yeah. Um so yeah, so like most of his early career he backed a fuck ton of people. Yeah. Like the uh, Isley Brothers, I yeah. That's say where he s- learned
0: how to play guitar. Was yes, uh, Sam and Ernie, Cook, Ernie like, Isley, mm-hmm. Sam and Dave. Uh, yeah, and uh, the um, the guys who did Shotgun. I can't think of the name right now. <sighs> it's. It wasn't. Was it Junior Walker? I don't know. I can't remember. Right it's like some some or, or it wasn't that song. It was another one. It doesn't yeah. matter. But he backed a lot of people, very famous early R and B soul artists, mm-hmm. uh, Motown stacks guys, and, and then. But he learned wh- at a young age he stayed with the Isley family. Oh, and yeah. He learned how to play guitar the way that we think of Hendrix playing guitar on his own like this futuristic shit from listening to Ernie Isley who's the guy who did Who's That Lady like
2: mm-hmm. and honestly
0: like the the Who's That who's Lady part that 2
2: lady? Lovely lady? Yeah
0: but like all that who's guitar that type stuff with the yeah. phasers <laughs> and the just kind of cool distortion and oh, shit, and yeah. waz, like that's all Ernie Isley And influence. like early
2: Hendrix like he was doing early like that shit with playing with his teeth and playing behind his back and shit like that Yeah like yeah
0: he was a showman that's like he got fired From, um, I believe he got fired from that early band because he was too showy. He was in the back line and there's old videos. There's an old video of him. And they're like, he was too flashy because... They were just supposed to just stand there and do their like little turn moves and like two steps.
2: But he was doing like guitar like yeah, no and like sweeps yeah, yeah. and stuff. And, and I, like and I honestly want to say, like, his manager was talking to Jimmy, and Jimmy's just like, man, what do I need to do to like fucking get to that next level? And his manager was like, I don't move. know, maybe you could set your guitar on fire. I don't well, no, know about he, that. He moved. And One of his most iconic moments. Monterey Pop Festival. Look at fucking up. Yeah,
0: Monterey Pop Festival. Oh fuck yeah, dude. Sixty
2: nine. I want to see seventy one. Sixty eight or sixty nine because it was before Woodstock. Okay. Um, but yeah, like. Right at the end of his show, like he fucking lit his well, guitar on fire and fucking like he followed.
0: His, he had to follow somebody, so his mentality. No, no, no. Was,
2: the mamas and the papas actually had to follow him. No, no, no. And but he, was, he just, and he they followed were just like, how somebody, somebody. How the fuck are we gonna follow that? Well, he had to follow He's somebody where he was standing like standing in front follow of his that? guitar and summoning fire from it. God yeah. damn!
0: I think he followed. How do you make a
2: bigger statement like than that. that?
0: Shit! Yeah, it was insane. Oh, good damn! I mean, there's so much lore <laughs> about Hendrix, and I think. Like I personally think, when I was growing up, I thought much like the Rolling Stones, very overrated. I thought he was an overrated guitar player, overrated musician. I liked his songs. I thought the Rolling Stones. I thought they were overrated. I have to eat my words as I've gotten older, yeah. Because I think Jimi Hendrix right now is the greatest guitar player. One of of the
2: first like Jimi Hendrix like albums I ever got was the Are You Experienced, and it blew my fucking mind. It is mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Like he went through like three like like different bands. He went through the experience, and then he also went through the Band of well, Gypsies. Well, Band of Gypsies was post-experience. post Funny thing about that, they were actually playing a festival in Denver, and yeah. their their bassist at the time, who was, I believe, Chad Chandler. Let me just... It doesn't fucking the bassist
0: of the experience?
2: I want to... Yeah, yeah. At that time, I just want to make sure. Noel I'm Redding? Give him... No, it wasn't Noel Redding. No, no, no. It was Chad Chandler. <clears throat> um, He actually showed up, and one of the <laughs> journalists was like, Why the fuck are you here? It's like, what? It's like, no, um, Jimi Hendrix just announced that uh, Billy Cox was replacing you. And fuck it! Like the next day after that performance, he's like, "Yeah, I'm quitting the experience. I'm going off on my own. You know, doing some solo
0: work." Well, it's really interesting. So, Jimi Hendrix's story was he was playing with he was playing as a sideman with all of these big R and B groups Mm -hmm. that were very famous in the U S. at that time. In those in that in those circles, Eric Clapton had a like he saw him go and was like, "Fuck!" Yeah, no. So Hendrix then moved to the U K. because he thought, hey. This is where I can kind of start anew and get a fresh start here. And that's where he started the experience. So uh, Mitch, Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding um, mm-hmm. and his band are both guys from the UK. They're both British. And the, the Jimi Hendrix experience is a British band. Poor and guy
1: that named his parents named him Mitch, Mitch Mitchell. Mitchell.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, But uh, anyway, so the reason by the time the th- they released three albums together. And by the time the third album came out, which was um, had Voodoo Child on it, and it, I think Are You Experienced? Is Ooh. that it?
2: No, 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 that was the first album. What was um, it? It I want to say their third. Axis
0: Bold is Love is the second. No, that was their second. But the third is. Electric Ladyland. Electric Ladyland, yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the most diverse albums that they have. And at that time, there's accounts from the band members that were like, well, we don't think this is going to last much longer because in the studio, Hendrix was literally playing every instrument. And he would he wouldn't even have those guys like record their parts. Well, there
2: were some instances where he just wouldn't show up at all. Like right, I want to say Noel Redding. Now that I think, I think Chad Chandler. I'm it's Noel Redding Noel has Redding. a
0: song on that album where he does vocals. But yeah, like there were times. Strange. Yeah, there yeah. were
2: times where he was just like, I was standing in this like studio for three hours. I went and went and had coffee for three hours. Came back, Jimmy was not there. Like right. it's just that like,
0: happens
1: with so many big right. musicians. I was just talking to Snowman about this when he used to work for Prince for a little while. He was yeah. doing this like audition series and whatever. And one night they were like, Okay, at three A.M. they were like, You have to have your phone on, call at all times. So one night during this like long audition process for sound like production crew for mm-hmm. for Paisley Park and for Prince, um, Brian got summoned at three in the morning and summoned to Paisley Park. And then he went out there, and he was standing at the front door, he said, for a while, and he's texting his, uh, I forget what his name, Prince's right-hand man, uh, I forget what, I think Eric or something. Um, he's texting him, and he's like, what's up? And he's like, I'm trying to get in right now. And the guy's like, yeah, oh, sorry, Prince decided not to go in after all. At three in the morning. Yeah. Ryan's just like, okay, <laughs> fucking sweet. I like yeah, just cool. came here for nothing. But anyway, it sounds right. pretty typical.
0: Well, and the thing that you're referencing, Joel, about Eric Clapton, uh, it was Eric Clapton and... God, some other big famous musician. They went to go see Jimi Hendrix because they heard a lot of... And these it was two mm-hmm. big guitar players, Clapton and somebody else. I can't think of it. Maybe Paige um, at the time. Mm. And they went to go see Hendrix play because they had heard a lot of hype about how great he was. And they're like, all right. And yeah. they're stereotypical guitar players. You go see another guitar player play, you're instantly judgmental. Yeah. Um, even if that's not in your nature, but you're going to do that because that's just how we what we do. And they said they were blown away because it was the day, the night of that Sergeant Peppers came out from the Beatles and he covered it front to back flawlessly (laughs) and made it his own. And that's kind of the story. And they like Clapton was like, I left and my jaw was still on the floor when I saw him.
2: No, it was actually, uh, that's actually interesting because like, it's intriguing how like, like how proficient he was at guitar, but like how naive he was with like drugs. Because at one point I believe it was a gentleman by the last name of McCarthy did a huge like biography of him like he was at a party and like someone offered him acid and then he was just like no i'll take some lsd and he's just like um at that point like yeah mccarthy's just like wow it like it showed the naivety and like the kind of because like alcohol apparently like turned him into a complete like 180 well you know what it probably goes back to uh, his
0: dad making him drink when he was at a young age. I know... That is true. I went to college with a few people who were sober. You know, in college, being a sober person is kind of weird because that's the time where you go out and go to parties and stuff, and that's because their parents were alcoholic and spiked their punch when they were, like, 14.
2: Yeah, and actually, that leads to his death because he they they confirmed with the autopsy that it was a vomit sophistication due to alcohol
0: poisoning. Really? So. so now, how he died, He, I believe he was found... He he had a girlfriend. He got a serious girlfriend. He moved back to the UK. Correct? Yeah, it was. He after, moved back to London, yeah. and it was during um, Band of Gypsies. He had just formed band, band of Gypsies. They released one album. No, actually, this is after Band of Gypsies. Oh, was after it after Band of Gypsies? He formed a short-lived band
2: called Cry of Love. Okay. Actually, yeah.
0: Oh, but and then he moved back to the UK yeah. to kind of decompress a little bit with his girlfriend, which is a very similar story to uh, another person who's upcoming here on our list, and they she found him just dead. She yeah, no. Essentially, like, like, yeah.
2: hung out, drank a bottle of wine, like, like, passed out around like seven, like three a.m. Yeah, she woke up at eleven a.m. He was not unresponsive, and boom. Yep, that was it. Done. Yeah. That was it.
1: All right, and he's boom. dead. Move <laughs> he's on dead. Too.
2: Sorry, that was a lot long winded. Let's move no, to no,
1: our first lady.
2: Yes, honestly, and like honestly, probably one of my top, if not like, female, if not all time favorite vocalists is actually Janice. Lynn Joplin. It's crazy. Like, she is fucking talented as fuck. Seriously. So she was born January 19th, 1943, Port Arthur, Texas. Um, She was bullied a lot during high school. And actually, she went back in her later years when she was really successful and really fucking, like, sandbagged her high school.
0: (laughs)
1: Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. She did not give
2: a fuck around (laughs) that time. So.
1: That's amazing. I mean. I'm not surprised. I mean, she looks like she is sort of a pseudo nerd and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. She definitely looks older than she was.
2: Oh yeah. Um well, in every cr- video I've
1: ever seen of her, but and, and her voice sounded like she was older than she oh, was. She god, sounded yes. like she smoked like a cigarette every second of her life thus far.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, like Taking like <laughs> Oh my breathing. god. Favorite song, like seriously, like big brother and, and, and the to think about that, like, like like think about like look at your life right now. If you're like 19, 18, think of yourself like if you could think of like twenty years old, Janis Joplin hitchhike from Aberdeen, from Arthur Texas, all the way to San Francisco, California, with just one friend. Can you imagine doing that? Seriously, in this day and age, could you imagine just like hitchhiking straight from like well, I think five, it six like the days? Fucking
1: Zodiac. Yeah. <laughs> seriously Death and dying yeah. no as a woman being 20 years old hitchhiking absolutely not
2: <laughs> no that's a different different era yeah seriously and i'm um, like, like she didn't do a lot really musically around that time sadly and, and she zodiac
1: w- was exactly that era by the way seriously so and, dying Sally, then too.
2: and sadly yeah. she got into the drug scene really hard so she actually moved back to arthur minnesota or arthur texas um around 95 and at that time because not, no, not 65. not 65. Oh, 65. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, that's right. 65.
1: <laughs> she's, hip, she's back.
2: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> she's been here this whole time? All right. But no, when she moved back, she was fucking 88 pounds. Whoa. Oh, man. From okay. the fucking... Just, like the heroin bones. was the main I wonder thing. I how
1: tall she was in general. That's a... Hey, Siri. <laughs> how tall not, hey, Siri. was Janis Joplin? <laughs> <laughs> and literally, look, look well, the is. is Janis Joplin, and, and it, it literally Amy tells Adams. me how tall Amy Adams is. Well, Amy Adams is from Northfield. Everyone <laughs> from Minneapolis listening to this right, right now. So there's right. a fun tidbit for you. Fuck you, Siri. All
0: um, right. So, but anyway. anyway,
2: she got really like she went back home. She got she put on some weight. Like she started seeing a therapist. And I when think she, anybody in no, nah, I'm not going to make a Texas joke. Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> they hate but that no, joke. Like. There was because there were some people who wanted her to come back out to that coast and like start doing music again, and she had a real like mental crisis. Like, if I go back out there, am I going to get back into the fucking drug culture? I'm
1: sure, she knew she would.
2: No, exactly. And I, honestly, like she ended up going back out there and
1: getting back into drug culture.
2: Honestly, there's there's a um if you look up, I believe Janis Joplin '66. It's like a New York um, spring festival. There's a lot of, like, famous pictures of her. That's, like, the last time, like, they were photographed of her before her relapse. But at the same time, it's, like, it's one of those things with artists, like, when they get into, like, just those deep, like, drugged up, like, states, they put out amazing shit. Because, like, immediately after this, like, she went with Big Brother and The Holding Company and threw out some amazing songs. Like, yeah. Look up YouTube Janis Joplin Monterey Pop Festival Ball and Chain and blow yeah, your was mind.
1: Monterey Pop Festival, just the thing where Monterey everybody Pops made Festivals. a name for themselves. The Monterey
0: Pops Festival, yeah, Monterey Pops Festival, Monterey yep. Pops Festival. Yes, Every, I mean, no, it was a big deal. It was like the at the peak of the uh, Flower Child uh, hippie culture before it uh, bastardized itself and became a drug culture. It was still like the the free love and like we're expressing ourselves culture and then this this concert was what kind of uh captivated or uh uh what's the word
1: catalyzed
0: Ca- not catalyzed no it was like the peak of its movement and expressive and this and that and uh to do a quick little tangent it was when the Beatles first went over to San Francisco to see the hippie culture only like two or 3 years later um i believe it was George Harrison and a, a handful of people said it was like it was disgusting, man, because they're like, this isn't, like, free love and this and that. It's just an excuse so to do drugs. So
1: it got like, every festival yep. ever that was ever. No, 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 no it's not a fest- it was
2: not the festival. They're just talking about, like, the Hate ashbury scene. Oh, yeah, because okay. yeah. it was, like, the like the last major festival before <laughs> Both, Woodstock. Yes, because, because before it became like, out of Because that ball and chain, like, performance, literally looking it up on YouTube, it's fucking great. Because, like, Mama Casper and the Mamas and the Papas is in the oh, audience. And yeah. they throw the shots of her. She's like, oh, my fucking god yeah yeah because she's like fucking 22 23 years old like holy shit yeah yeah and actually though her drug use actually really brought her down like that's why like because i wondered like for a while like why wasn't there a whole lot of janice joplin footage at woodstock because she pretty much nixed all that because she ended up showing up like about 10 hours earlier for her set and she wanted to go on but contractually everyone wanted me to go on before her. right so she went with her friend Penny, I believe, at the time, was like who was a Delta um, airline hostess and, like, on and off again lover. Um, she ended up, like, just drinking whiskey and fucking doing heroin for 10 hours. Holy shit. Yeah. And now, you
0: have a note here, Joel. We're going to move on. You have a note that says by... Early nineteen sixty nine, she was shooting up two hundred dollars, which is equivalent to fifteen hundred dollars today of heroin. Is oh God! That per and day? Honestly, is that per day?
2: No, I believe that's per week. But honestly, I would believe that I would up that to about like eighteen hundred because that was about I believe two thousand sixteen like levels of like, okay. Like it was, it became a problem. Like her friend Penny was like, and moving on to the uh, moving moving uh, the landmark motel hotel or uh, the landmark, Mo- motor, landmark
0: landmark motor hotel.
2: Yeah. Which was actually a hotel that was around near a few um, studio recording like studios, yeah. Um, but it also attracted a lot of drug addicts and a lot of drug dealers. So she actually ended up meeting like there was an absence of like three years between her and Penny, and then she ended up meeting her like randomly at that motel and wanted to score some heroin from her. And Penny was like, "Fuck, Absolutely no, not. no, yeah. exactly." And then Jan's just like, "Hey, if you could get heroin." I can fuck Chris Kirk and get heroin. You're know, like, yeah. I'm Dennis fucking Joplin. Right, right. And so she ended up, what what happened is she ended up dying because of an acute, essentially heroin poisoning. Now, was this 1969? It was in 1970, oh, actually. Oh, 1970. Accidental overdose, October 4th, yep. 1970. And actually, they believe it's an accidental overdose because there was a shit ton of other accidental overdoses around that time centered around that hotel. Interesting. Yeah. The really creepy part about this is the day before she went in to hear the instrumentals of a piece, and then she that day that they found her dead, she was going to go in for the lyrics yeah. and record the lyrics of a person. Uh, Want to know what the piece was? Yeah, buried alive by the blues. That was that was the name. <laughs> that of the was album. The, name of the name of the, of the song, song that she was going to do the album, like the lyrics
0: for. That is. Fascinating. So that is Jesus. That is Janis Joplin.
2: Everybody. That was Good our Lord.
0: third artist. Now we're gonna move on to. Oh, let's move
2: on to the man that up reportedly had a slight affair with Janis Joplin, yeah. and after that, it's reported that she broke a whiskey bottle over his head, and after that, referred to him as that asshole instead of his full name. It's and actually, what is his full name? His name full name is James Douglas Morrison, but you would know him as the Lizard King, Mr. Mojo Rising. John Morrison. Jim. Jim. <laughs> you can see where we're at. And actually at this time, if, if I'm at. fucked up that name. At. If I fucked up that name that bad, I'm gonna have to take another shot. Yeah, punishment honestly. shot. All right. Punishment all right. shot. This is number eight. All we're all gonna right. throw this on Instagram right now. Just don't barf on the mic. I won't barf on the mic, you pussy. Know. Remember to take your chaser okay. I took my Chaser. Oh, chaser has vodka. Number eight. Okay. Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah, right. everything's got to be on social media these days. Jesus fucking Number eight. Yeah, we're at a point that that does not taste bad at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I got that. Turn
2: the corner. Big ups for Tito's right <laughs> Hey, Tito. Thanks. What up, dog? All right,
0: so we're on Jim Morrison. Not yeah, it's to be, Jim confused, with Morrison, not to be Jim-
2: confused with John Morrison. John Morrison was actually a wrestler in the WWE, if you want to look him up. Is <laughs> no, actually, he's not. He's in Lucha Underground. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> okay, so Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison, born December 8th, in 1943. Melbourne, Malborn, oh, Florida.
0: Florida. <laughs> Florida. I, th- I saw Melbourne, and I was like, wow, I didn't
2: never know. I before. didn't know he was Australian. Yeah. No, fucker. He was Melbourne, from Florida. Florida. All right. So... He kind of had an uneventful so childhood. He was
1: crazy to begin with. Okay, that
2: yeah. makes sense. Well, apparently makes sense now.
1: Florida man. If yeah. If named you Jim ch- Morrison, if you check Florida out-
2: man, crazy, nothing new. <laughs> now, if you check out the um, there's a movie by uh, called The Doors by um. An the action. Doors. Are you the talking door. about the uh, the, um, the Val Kilmer? Kilmer
0: yeah depiction
2: yeah um it's a
0: solid movie Oliver yeah. Stone that's yes. the person who it's was a solid movie about. I think I heard it's a little falsified
2: but it they is. all are but well the the main thing coming out of that is that he had a formative like experience at four years old he was him and his family were driving through the desert and they ended up like passing by this car accident where there are a lot of Native Americans now Jim Morrison obviously expounded on this saying there was Native Americans strewn all over the floor and right but he was 4 years old you have He was now. 4 years old so and, like and actually a lot of that imagery showed up in his um songs mainly in uh, Peace Frog but That's like right. a, like his father and his sister was like no nah, like, like it was really just like a like a standard accent I'm sure the Native Americans would be like dude we're just like it's like a scrape or something. That right. No big deal. Don't don't make it a big piece of your fucking like, Don't make this into a career. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, but his father was in the military, so he moved around Yeah, he was a lot. also a military brat. Exactly. Right? And so he, exp- like, he, like, kind of broke out in just like, kind of his studies. So, like, formatively, like, he did, he went to Washington, I want to say George Washington College in Virginia, and he ended up like his senior English teacher, like, asked one of the teachers who was going to the Library of Congress if books that Jim Morrison actually did papers on exist, because it was like in 16th and 17th demonology. And it's like, yeah, these books exist. And it's just like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So obviously, from a young age, he was definitely like high minded and like, exactly. And like, after college, he, like, I believe he got a BA out of the UCLA. What a BA. <laughs> yeah, he's badass. But he got a BA out of the UCLA film school, which was out of the theater right, Yeah, department. he was
0: a theater. Yeah, he was a film yeah. guy. Because there's, like, he actually has a film of him, like, walking down the desert
2: that he made. There's a lot right? of films about him in, like, that UCLA, like, short film kind yeah, of program. Yeah, And, like, once he got his BA, he ended up living with a friend of his who was in that same program and the friend literally was like, yeah, his diet consisted of beans from a can and LSD. So you can kind of... <laughs> seriously. So you can kind shout of out see... Shout
1: out to Ryland.
2: No, yeah. Shout out to Bushes.
1: And, 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 Bushes
2: beans. And his main contributor, who was his keyboardist, like his record. Robbie Krieger? Um, shit, what was his name? No, it was Ray Manzara. Ray Manzara, yeah. Ray, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he walked up on him on like the a beach. He was just like sitting there writing poetry and he read his poetry. He's like, Dude. Yeah, because they had a practice. The, the
0: Robbie or uh, Ray Manzara and Robbie Krieger, um, who's, I think, the guitar player now that I say yeah. it out loud, uh, they and the other guys in the band would end up being indoors. Mm-hmm. They had a practice uh, pad, like house right on the beach. And they saw this guy sitting out on the beach. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how it works. That's how, that's that's literally how it happened. Right.
2: And then boom, like 66 doors happen. Holy fucking shit. Like honestly, Jim Morrison, not the best singer (laughs) earlier (laughs) than like, but at the same time, like women, even fucking men at that time falling fucking. Well, it was like,
0: it's one of those things. It was the right, you were in the right place at the right time. A to get in that band that band happened to be in the right place at the right time right in the
2: San Francisco area Oh era. definitely and they had two uh, they had two big like, of points shit. of like holy shit one was when they went on the Ed Sullivan show which launched the fucking Beatles and Well that's God. when he said that what did he say cuz they told oh, well, no what say. what happened is they were backstage and the producer came up and essentially said hey you're going to do light my fire we can't do we can't get much higher Right, right, right. But change it to we can't get much better. Jim Morrison's like, yeah, fuck it. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, We'll change it. Fuck it. Like, here we are, at the doors. Perfect. <laughs> you know that it would be untrue. You know, <laughs> that, you know that, that I would be, be, be a liar <laughs> if I wasn't say to you, Girl, we couldn't get, get much higher. And he's looking.
0: He looks right explodes. at the camera when yes. he said that, and he, said, he like emphasizes he's like couldn't oh, get much higher. Yeah. He like got oh, like right in the god, fucking yeah. camera.
2: <laughs> fucking Ed Sullivan backstage, <laughs> looking just like at it.
1: me next time. Oh dude. god, yeah, dude. <laughs> Ed Sullivan
2: looking like someone put a turd under his nose. Just god, god <laughs> damn. And literally, the funniest thing about that is like as they were leaving, one of the preachers is like, "You're never gonna work on the Ed Sullivan show again." And Jim Morrison turns around like. Whatever, dude. We just did the Ed Sullivan, Sullivan. show. Oh, <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> like, we got the most exposure we could ever. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, it's like,
0: fuck you, fuck everybody. <laughs> exactly. And like when he whipped his dick out on stage shortly, that was thereafter. the next that,
2: that like like
1: <laughs> seriously. I'm sure Danny Brown. No, yeah. it
2: was it was oh, literally
1: yeah. did someone suck it?
2: No, no, no! It no, was he literally got ripped in, off stage before that happened. Oh, no, it was in yeah. '69. <laughs> he he literally had put this on Bay, weight. He's in the Bay
0: Area too.
1: In '69, yeah, in Miami. How ironic!
2: It was in Miami. He had put on some weight, grown a beard. Oh, Miami, not literally, looks like Tim Allen from like the Santa Claus. If he had like a,
0: what <laughs> oh, a good
1: comparison! <laughs> I was like but home no. improvement. Uh, Oh, you mean Al from home, and Trip, no, right? no, he looked like
2: Santa Claus, yeah, sure. No, he was literally trying to just incite a riot and he was just like yelling curses. And then, literally, he like pulled down his zipper and it's just like, You want to see my cock? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he literally, yelled that like four or five times. And he ended up actually, um, he I got ripped se- off stage by security, right? He did this and actually, early. around 09, he actually got convicted. Oh, 69, 69, yeah, he actually got convicted. Fuck off. <laughs> he actually got evicted in 69 of like indecent exposure, but they like immediately repealed and he was held on like, I want to say $10,000 bond. He was still still doing things here and there, but like the bond went like past after his death, which actually happened in July 23rd. Nope wrong <laughs> July 3rd 1971. 1971 yes because of heart failure and actually it happened in Paris yeah I was gonna say he also died overseas correct yes and actually they didn't have an official autopsy because France doesn't have that shit <laughs> <laughs> like could just die it's like yep good you can still go see his grave he's buried in France right no because they literally like like every five or six years, they would put like a new headstone or something on there, and oh, people so that's would just, just the deface memorial. the fuck out no, of it. No, is that so? Is he buried there, or is that the he memorial? He is buried there, but they it's like an unmarked grave, so that people don't have to fucking deface oh, it. Oh, fuck it up, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Now that was another thing too, because he was he left, and this was after like they were huge after their third album. It was um like the album that I think it was just t- self titled The Doors, but it was like the third album. I could be wrong. Yeah, but I, it had Riders on the Storm on it, and that was. huge. <sighs> Huge yeah. and, that was a, was and that was a huge song, right? Mm-hmm. And it was very popular. And he needed time to get away because the band was all fighting, um, butting heads, and he started to settle down from his um, manslight Yeah, ways, he was right? actually living with, and I was believe it was like his, a living girlfriend. Yeah, he his girlfriend. His he was really like common serious. Common law wife type yeah, of thing. Yeah, he was really serious about it. And they moved away from the Bay Area to get away from all the temptations of drug yeah. and alcohol abuse and craziness and all the stuff that was happening in the late 60s at the time. Yeah. The downfall of... Western Civilization Part 1 and uh, or The Decline of Western Civilization Part 1. Part 2 mm-hmm. was in the 80s hair metal scene. There are documentaries titled that. but
2: I would love to do a drunken history about the fucking hair yeah, maybe. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do He, went, he went overseas uh, to kind of cool shit
0: and uh, <laughs> ended up dying and they thought it would, might have been a pill overdose. The theories are out there that yeah. That it was kind of like a Heath Ledger type thing. mm mm-hmm.
2: there, there are
1: some. So like some... a Prince type thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was just
0: like mi- mixing medications. Well, that's what Prince did. Yeah. Yeah. I so... literally
1: was like, I was, to- I was telling you, I was talking to Brian yesterday and he yeah. said "End cause was mix of oxy and fentanyl and booze. Mm-hmm. So it was not just fentanyl like everybody thinks it was. It was a mix of the, th- of the three. It wasn't an overdose of fentanyl. FYI, And that's like direct from the source from someone who worked for him. So I believe it. Anyway. I believe
0: it. All right. So Jim Morrison died yeah. of heart failure, on July 3rd, 1971. Yeah. In let's, Paris. let's skip past let's him. On. Let's
2: move on to We're honestly, on. probably one of my absolute favorite vocalists of all time. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Now this is number five. This is number five. Amy Jade Winehouse, which is actually the latest entry into the 27 club. Um, and probably one of the most tragic because just... Is
1: it? Wait, let's hold on. When did Avicii die?
2: Oh, um, Like two th- years ago. No, Amy Winehouse was before
0: that. Yeah, was Avicii yeah. 27 Club yes. too? Oh. Avicii is 27 right. Club. I'm well, the latest crazy. on oh, our list. He might
1: is Avicii a 27 Club? Club? I th- How? Hold on.
2: Look Jupiter that shit up. I mean, yeah, because it like... I was. Did I was you I, barely
1: miss this I'll a, foreshadow oh, this yeah. shit. Okay, sorry. Twenty eight club. Twenty eight. All right. Uh, all right. Literally oh. by like two months.
2: Oh shit!
0: All right. So the anyway. well, close enough. But anyway, the latest on our list of the entry of the yes, twenty seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You may have a family member, friend, or loved one, or a hated enemy who died at <laughs> age twenty seven. We're not going to include them on our list. No, no. We on will our not. list, this is the latest entry. We have yeah. Amy Winehouse. What? Amy Winehouse. Oh. Now I Amy saw. Now I want to say something. Yes, I saw Amy Winehouse. Um, I, I used to work the for her varsity, rec- right? I used to work for a record label We had a private show When she Right after Back to Black Came out Because Back to Black Is what broke her in the US mm-hmm. And this was 2006 mm-hmm. And that's when I was An intern for her record label When I was a senior in college um, And I saw her at the Varsity Theater in Minneapolis, and it was an absolute fantastic show. Oh. The backing band was the Dap Kings, um, famously known as Sharon, yes! from Sarah Sharon Jones. Jones. Oh, yeah, Sarah Jones and the Dap Jones Kings. RIP. Uh- but uh- the Dap Kings were so sick, and I got a chance to talk to them afterwards. I didn't even know who they were at the time. I just thought they were the backing band with a sick ass guitar player. And I, I will tell you this Amy Winehouse already was kind of notoriously, she. it wasn't like out in the open yet that she was drunk, but it was kind of like, Talked about that. Oh, yeah, she kind of likes to party a little too much. <laughs> now, I saw her there, and, like, uh, me and my boss <laughs> and my other intern coworkers, we were like, damn, she's fucked up. Because in between <laughs> songs, she was ch- chugging from, like, a, a clear plastic cup, and we are like, is there fucking vodka in there or water? Because in between every song, seemed like she was getting slurrier and slurrier. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, man, in the hour and a half that she performed, she fucking nailed it. Her oh, stage sure. presence, though, on the songs was Wobbly, And I'm just going to sit down. It was like James Geisinger. Man, Sorry, you know, honestly, I would say, <laughs> though, for
1: people that are that good, it is really, I, I guess, maybe sad to say or whatever. But, like, in she all honesty, it, people that are that good, it doesn't matter how fucked up they get. I mean, like, it's a really high high level of yeah. fucked up that they have to be mm-hmm. to be able to not do their job. Like, oh, and, and you and know, we know but, people personally that mm-hmm. have even played with me before who I never, I, I knew they were drinking their asses off, literally mm-hmm. could barely speak to me before we'd go on stage. I didn't have one moment of just like of not being confident in the fact that they were mm-hmm. going to be able to do their job because it's people that are that good, I think that's just their natural It's like almost muscle memory at that point. Almost definitely. It could be literally blacked out and just do the thing. And I don't I've I've had multiple I've played with multiple musicians that are like this and they just it, it doesn't matter how drunk they are. It doesn't matter if they're falling over. It doesn't matter. They're still going to do their thing and they're still going to be really good at it. And Seriously, a, there's, there's, I. There's a caliber of people that can do that. Not everyone not, can do that. No, no, not at, no, not at all. Not every that.
0: musician that, even great musicians, not every of those guys can do that. But no. there are, there some, are that some people can. that I I'll tell you that
1: completely blacked out and I wouldn't notice a difference in how they played. At all. James James Geisinger. Yeah. Hi, James. Uh, Jimmy. Yeah. I'll tell you this right now.
2: I went to to school for theater and performing arts, and there's a bunch of people that I could say, and me included, that's just like our teacher, like the head of the department was just like, if you can be drunk or you can be high as shit and put in a great performance, fucking be drunk and high as shit. During that performance,
1: (laughs) seriously,
2: if you can put the best.
0: But don't let don't let it fool you into thinking you can do that. No, exactly. No, I'm
1: not saying. Yeah, it is not for everyone. Oh, good lord! But there are these weird. There's this weird caliber of people that can function at their highest level, no matter how fucked up they get. And I think a lot of it is that a lot of those people practice in that state.
0: Yeah. A Mm -hmm. lot of those
1: people are constantly practicing in that state like i know a lot sure. of the most prolific people i've ever met the most talented younger people that i've ever met most of them have substance abuse issues but their favorite thing to do when they are drinking or whatever they're doing is to sit alone in their room and do the and play the bass and or play, play music, the trumpet yeah. or learn mm-hmm. their instrument yep. and all they do is sit alone and get fucked up and play their instrument and that might sound sad to some people but in reality that's like what they want to be they doing do. that. That's what yeah. we no, know, no, no. It makes yeah, exactly. them feel good And so I think when when you have those kinds of people it doesn't matter how fucked up you could ever get because right. they're practicing in that state all the time. That's normal mindset for them. So right. it, it doesn't even affect them well, And all. people don't Correct. even
2: think that Back to Black is not her first album either. No, no. Her first one was... Um, Frank. Uh, Frank, yeah. And that yeah. was like three years prior. Which was more like a jazz-infused album. was yeah. she went... very
1: jazz-based. And I don't, pe- I don't think people know how much avant-garde sort right. of jazz she was based on.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. All right, Joel. Hey, we're, we're getting too tangential. Let's
2: go back to the story of Amy Winehouse. Give us the rundown. Oh, Yeah, I mean, like, let's give okay. back to black, fucking put her in the Guinness World Record. So, no, she was born because, in '83. Let's let's go uh, back to
0: let's go to let's go. Oh, to let's the
2: go. Straight. We're talking
1: about back to black. Well, yeah, we're born, talking about back
2: to black I because know. it, it right. literally leads to her like biggest accomplishment was getting into the Guinness World Records because not only did she tie for like the most like awards won by a single female in a single night, she also boom. Got the first time of a British woman winning five awards in a single night as well. That's amazing. That amazing. And, 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 and I,
0: I believe Frank, now to go back talk about these albums, it's only because yeah. I worked, during, when it came out, I was working there when we pushed it forward. And it was like, uh, Back to Black was the, her first U.S. release. Frank was not a U.S. release. No, so no, no. Like, back, to out, first, like, back to, yeah, back yeah, to yeah, Black was her first national release. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And then Back to Black popped her off. And then, and then Frank, the last album that after. she put out, technically, she didn't put it out.
0: No. Her stupid
1: dad put it out, who will Li- go into Lioness, this.
0: is that what it the was? The Lioness, yeah, yeah, which
1: was awesome. I, it was a lot of just B-sides, I think, and just unreleased material. She did a really mm-hmm. great cover of Girl from Ipanema, if you've yeah. never heard this album. It's really good. Um, but... The lioness, I think, was just an uh, and ca- and Pat can attest to this, a cash grab from the label oh, it about how many times when people die at at a major label, it's like a it's like a race to see oh. what content they can put out to take advantage of their death and make as much money as possible right. on their classic hits and make like compilations and do as much as they can right. to exploit their death. Now,
0: Megan, I believe uh, there's been a, f- a few instances where you and I were out on tour, whether it be on a Friday, Saturday night, and you know how I. With the the shrinking of the music industry, how I would have to wake up early, like at eight in the morning and and go down to the hotel lobby and mm-hmm. work wherever we mm-hmm. were um for universal music. And I remember distribution. times when
1: someone would die Do you remember and you have that? an overload of work.
0: Do you remember that. And like I would get an email like at midnight saying, Hey, this person died uh all hands on deck in the morning because we and every you know the, the the reality of it is yes, the industry is taking advantage of people dying, but Everybody who worked who I worked with understood like how skeezy that is. But at the same time, that's the way the world works. This is relevance oh, it's and business this is, and I it's get business. it.
1: I mean, like what we can go into the exploitation though of even her father. I mean, he wrote yeah. a, a biography about her post mortem. Right. That he wrote. So it's like not only did he was he the one which we can go into this now, her demise, you know we we're mm-hmm. talking about her steadily increasing alcoholism, and she mm-hmm. was bulimic as well and the the label literally hired an attorney to 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 go on tour with her when her tour began for back to black because they were concerned for her well-being, but I don't think they were prepared to be as concerned as they needed to be because they literally sent legal a legal team with her to assess her well-being right mm-hmm. and the letter that was written back to them by the lawyer literally said she is not in a good place she is extremely sub substance dependent she's not happy she's not putting on good performances she is not coming through on promises she should not be touring this is our like formal legal mm-hmm. like opinion of what's going on right. and 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 that's what the label was looking for but they weren't ready to hear it right. and so mm-hmm. they fired this guy they said you know what Take that and shove it up your ass and don't show anybody. I think they made him sign a non-disclosure and so they the fired label him. or the
0: or the manager the, or made her, her dad. Attorney, manager.
1: The label who had hired the attorney to go right. on tour and say, Let's make sure she's okay. Right. Said she's not okay. And they said, Well, fuck. Shove it up your ass and don't tell anybody about it, and you're fired. And so mm-hmm. that was their first um their first real like, hi, this is this situation is going awry. Okay. And mm-hmm. then she went to her dad. And she said, you know, the label is saying that things might not be okay. And they're suggesting maybe I want to cancel the tour and maybe that I should go to rehab. And I'm thinking that maybe that that's a good idea. And she literally sat on his lap. She says this in her documentary and asked him about it. And he said, well, do you think that you're okay? Do you want to disappoint 40, 50 people every night on the shows that you've already booked out that you have to pay still at this moment? Do you Mm -hmm. think that that's going to be okay? What do you think your fans are going to think about this? and literally made her think that she was fine. And that's why what her, I, I know everyone te- like laughs about this and heard the main joke around Amy Winehouse is, oh, she should've gone to rehab. Well, she fucking should've. And she fucking knew it. And yeah. she told her dad she needed it. And he said, she, what she says in her song, I ain't got the time and if my dad says I'm fine, they yeah. try to go make me Whoa. go to rehab and I said no.
0: Now, so this mm-hmm. when Back to Black came out was 2006. She she died in 2011. She died at 27. That's 5 years younger. So, that's 22. So you're 22-year-old um human being and you ask your parent for your parents for advice. Um you're going to take that advice, especially in this day and age. This isn't the and 60s. And also, let's
1: back up and just specify here. Her father was her manager. From Correct. the beginning till the end. Correct. Mm-hmm. So he he was always exploiting her yes. from the very beginning, and so his interests were not in her yes. well being. And this is when that in the by the way, two thousand and six is when this album came out. Oh, That's not
0: when the song was written. So she might even been twenty one. Yeah, I'm just younger. giving
1: background on that. Like, right. not only was it a person listening to her parent, but it right. was a person mm-hmm. listening to her management. Right. And mostly, so you,
2: but we can't also like not like put in like the effect of like her. Marriage at that time with Blake Fielder Ugh. Civil. Yeah. <laughs> Was it Immediately, she date, uh... the, the reaction from Megan is
0: exactly what. Did I... she date the dude from the baby shambles? Uh, Pete Dardy? Um, I don't He's believe singer. so, no, no, no. I'm
1: not sure. But Blake is the one that ruined her. That's what she oh. wrote that's what she wrote back to black about. Black, back to black was yeah. about them breaking up and I believe they got together got back together in post of that. Mm-hmm. But they're super tumultuous, super abusive relationship. Yeah.
2: yeah. Like she, she recognized in Blake Fielder Civil, like like she like he is the like the equivalent of me. Like, that, like, he, he's the dude that, oh. like, she would, like, like, if he says something the wrong way, I'm just gonna fucking pop him on the chin, like, yeah. but, but, like, at the same time, it's like, yeah, I want him to move into my house, I fucking love him, I'm like, I'm the exact, like, same person as him. And yeah, it was just like because she ended up divorcing they were him very around. Toxic, like, but just toxic, like you were right, saying
1: so. earlier, Joel, um, with Janice, is that people put out their best content when mm-hmm. they're going through their most tumultuous sure. time. Almost, so Back definitely. to Black was a product of Blake's bullshit, right? Oh. Sadly, mm-hmm. and now, um, I mean, I guess we can be grateful for that POS Express for providing us at least with like the album of the time. I mean,
0: it's a it's a silver oh, it's lining, definitely. I guess, on it. Ugh. But um, so Ugh. to say, the last thing I'll say. When I was an intern, when Back to Black came out in 2006, by the time um, her Lioness album came out, I believe I was working there full time. I got in a full time position there. I'm not sure, but regardless, they did a uh, a three CD or three record like chronological, you know, in hindsight release. And I remember being in the meeting with like pitching it to uh, the Best Buy merchants which is the their buying team their music merchants and the uh even the her label head which i believe is universal republic at the time which is based out of new york we t- we told the merchants yeah so amy winehouse you know guys she got a three disc you know memor- chronological you know in memoriam type thing greatest hits coming out and it's spearheaded by her dad and literally like 20 people around the table were like and roll their eyes. That's what people think about him.
2: Ugh, everybody knows. I, I don't know he's, how he's, they
0: couldn't. Everybody, about even it. even the label, even the record label guy was like, said that, and he was just like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, but this is coming out. And so, like, the music industry is a necessary demon, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, big business is not going anywhere, but it no, just it's not. But it's just so even so, see her like.
0: Even so the guys at the top, I'm saying, is aware. Everybody's yeah. aware yeah. wow. that like how much bullshit it is, and they're like, "Well, I know people are want to buy this, and it's a, a nice product. It has some unreleased demos and B sides and cool stuff, and we're gonna package this and we're gonna put it out, and we're gonna sell three discs for like twenty five ninety nine or yeah. whatever yeah. Your price." Well, point I know is. the
1: people that are working the industry aren't heartless about it. You know, no, but, nobody's yeah, nobody yeah, really it, there it is heartless that
0: I that I worked with.
1: I think a lot of a lot in a lot of these cases, these twenty seven club cases or twenty eight club cases with Avicii, whatever sure. you, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. You have instances where management is taking advantage and labels are taking advantage mm. and they're exploiting an artist until they're at their en- their wits end. But to have your own dad,
0: see that's the fucked Push up. you
1: so oh. f- fucking far mm. that you. Don't eat for a, like a week and then you drink a bottle of vodka and you die at a point four one six.
2: Four one
0: six is what they like it's uh, not I don't know. I don't know about you guys. So I
2: got Fuck it. Fuck you,
1: Mr. Winehouse. I got my <laughs> underage. Here this one day. I got my you underage drinking ticket at point, that. point
2: one eight. I take hashtag Mr. Winehouse?
1: Make another child real quick, please, and then die. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All, right, uh, All right. Joel, we're going to be moving on. So that yeah. was Amy Winehouse, everybody. That, that was, was number weird. five. That we're was like our,
2: our, literally like aside from Anton, who did the um, Star Trek movies, was like literally the like most recent member of the 27 Club. We're going to go back in time to the most, <laughs> most recent, maybe perhaps the most Influ I, I no, not I the, most most, no, but I the most influential. No, perhaps the most no no most influential because the one after that is like literally two months after it. So let's say the most influential one right after that would be the front man in Nirvana, Kurt fucking changed Cobain. Music, changed the trajectory Kurt of music. Donald Cobain. Forever. Yeah, that's right. His last name, his middle name was Donald of all things. Hey, I
0: knew a guy named Donald in uh my hometown of Wisconsin. Is he the and high school? Right now? No, in high school he won the lottery and he won like seven hundred and fifty thousand no. dollars co- my co-worker where are you
1: now my Donald? co-worker
0: was dating him and um yeah i don't know what he's doing now but i know he
1: blew it all already because there's like a statistic that like oh i'm sure he 70, did 70 or like it's like 80 percent of was lottery winners go no, bankrupt like- within three years of winning the lottery <laughs> he was
0: like he was like uh 17 or 18 yeah, it's Wait, definitely. It was, gone a scratch, or, yeah. it was like on a scratch-off ticket or some shit like
2: that. No lie, if from my high school there is a Benjamin Dover Like at, at this podcast, hit me up. <laughs> 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 yeah, I went to school with a Benjamin Dover of all things people. Benjamin. Okay. okay. Dude, there's
1: this really, really, really tangentially and quickly, there's this fucking video that I saw of this guy that won the lottery in like Alabama or some shit. Fuck Alabama, by the way. And um Anyway, he won the lottery. The news wanted to do a story about how he'd won the lottery. They wanted mm-hmm. him to go back and reenact himself buying the ticket from the gas station. And when he went and redid that, he actually won the lottery. Yeah, I again. heard about that.
0: Oh. Hey, I just speaking yeah. of that. This morning, <laughs> this morning on Reddit, I read a story um, that uh, a woman was arrested. A woman, the woman who won the lottery, and it was in some, I, I believe some southern state or something like that. She won the lottery and she was arrested. And like the, the the thing on Reddit the caption was like arrested for the right reasons. It's like she was arrested for <laughs> taking a shit on her boss's desk after she won, <laughs> won the lottery. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. I know. That just happened. That Where, just are happened. You? I want to be
1: friends with that you. That just happened.
0: <laughs> it was a picture of her mugshot and she was sitting there just like all
2: happy and smiling. <laughs> I would too, god. If I if that boss was a piece of shit, god damn. Hey, I she knew she was
1: going to bail her ass out like five minutes after her mugshot. She's just <laughs> right. like, fuck you let's, guys. Let's
0: bail. $5,000 for taking a yeah, shit. Yeah, look out. Love, I
1: won the lottery, you idiots. <laughs> $5,000 picture. Thanks.
2: All right. Let's take a All hard right. right turn from a piece of shit to go to someone who is probably like the icon of the fucking 90s icon alternative scene. sure, man. Fuck Evan. yeah. Kurt Donald Cobain. So he was born February 20th. 1967 in Aberdeen, Washington. Now, tumultuous childhood. His parents actually divorced around nine, which is that same age as Jimi Hendrix's parents divorced as well. Both Washington kids, Seattle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he also died in
0: Seattle.
2: So So that's kind of. Mm -hmm. Now, in school, he (laughs) kind (laughs) of. In school, he kind of lashed out. He was kind of a bully. Like, he joined the wrestling team, which his father really liked. But because his father really liked that, he would literally throw matches just to anger his dad. Same with, like, uh believe basketball games. He would just, like, he would just suck just to be like, fuck you, dad. It is
1: a control thing. The, the mm-hmm. innate need for a human being to have control is so insane. I was just reading about it in The Power of Habit the other day about how, like, for example, like, a baby will knock food out of out of, out of, like, if you were putting a spoon of food toward a baby's mouth, it'll knock it out of your hand just to have control over the situation.
2: Crazy. If you
1: have, you know, a 20 minute ETA that involves you sitting in still traffic on the highway, most people will take back roads that take them 25 minutes just to have control right. over the situation. Mm-hmm. Just like to move the innate it. I've need. I've done that
0: an infinite amount of time. The
1: innate need for people to have control over their situation is so in depth that as a baby you'll knock food out of the hand that feeds you so i totally understand that
2: interesting enough because he would hang out with like one of the most like out gay kids in his school and a lot of people would just then like associate him oh he's fucking gay you know and and later back in the early 90s for sure almost definitely And, and later interviews he would be like you know i'm totally not gay but it would be awesome to be gay or bi because that would just piss off more people because he was, v- he was Kerkow- a big like. Kerkow- anti- was very anti-racist, anti-establishment, anti everything, anti-
1: anti-homophobia. Well, not anti. It was anti- like
2: uh
0: V for vendetta. What was that? What do they call those anti-society people? Anti-society, anti-government
2: type of shit like that. Yeah, definitely. Now, middle finger quiz, Pat. Was Dave Grohl the? current and all An time. anarchist? No, what no, want anarchist, want no. anarchist, that's what I'm no, thinking. Yeah, Dave, sort of thank I'm thinking. you. Was <laughs> Dave Grohl the I'm most... I want to say like, antichrist, no. but like that's not right. I mean, <laughs>
1: same, same. <laughs> no.
2: Was Dave Grohl the, consistently the entire... Drummer of Nirvana. I believe oh. didn't Jack Irons play with them for a bit. Not Jack Irons. I believe it was Chad Chandler. That's the name I was fucking Chad thinking of. That was the name I was thinking yeah. of Jimmy Henderson. No, Dave he got eventually... hired on he got hired on After the Fact. Yeah. No, Chad Chandler actually played on the entirety of Nirvana's album Bleach. And yeah. when they fucking went with Nevermind, that's when they switched to well, because Dave Grohl's
0: a DC kid. Yeah. So he got hired by DC. He was a DC punk scene guy, and um, not even really like what you'd call like a great musician. He just was had a passion for drums and just playing music, and found himself mm-hmm. in there. And he got hired with Nirvana when he was like, I want to say like nineteen or twenty. Yeah. And yeah, anybody, but it was like he, because it was like he was signing up to all these. Uh, this was pre pre internet people, so you had to Which get all your crazy. information yeah. underground music information from these zines, like that were put the out by zines, the record labels, yes. magazines, these little magazines. Yeah. So he heard all about the Seattle punk scene or that what we now call grunge um, from these zines in DC, and he was sending out like applications mm-hmm. to play in these bands mm-hmm. um, from Washington DC, and he got an application or he got an interview or a, a rehearsal, I guess. We call it, yeah. um, and then it was all history from then on forward. Essentially,
2: but, and and then also around Nevermind when they were recording yeah. that, that's also when he met Courtney Love, and like Courtney was like consistently from like whole
0: the band Hole, if yeah, you guys from don't band
2: whole, yeah, like she consistently went after him, and he was just like Kurt Cobain met her, yes, yeah, yeah. Like he was very hesitant to like start a relationship. No
1: with her. shit.
0: I wonder why. As
1: he should have been, <laughs> RIP. Hey, that,
0: I have, a, I have, I could talk, I could talk a lot about Courtney Love. Too,
1: oh God, long, long, long. I know. Oh, it's most straight. definitely. I mean, we can, we can talk about her a little bit. There's nothing wrong talk with it. it.
0: Uh, but not right now. This is the inception of the relationship, so I'll talk. <laughs> no, about No, most it later.
2: definitely. So like, during the next couple of um, albums, very tumultuous times. He actually ended up going to rehab, and like once he got into rehab, he was there for like a, literally a day. Like his friends met him. Like, made sure he was doing okay. And literally, the night after they visited him, he climbed the fence, like, and then just disappeared. Like Courtney Love actually hired her like in like a, a private PI di- to try and find Kirk Cobain.
1: And that's not the first time she hired a PI. She no, hired no. a PI when he died. And it was really mm-hmm. funny because the PI went against what she said. The PI actually ended up disproving what she had told the PI about how he died. <laughs> well, so, seriously? Yeah, I mean we can get into that, but yeah, literally yeah, the, the whole PI disowned the whole Death thing. Like she thing like he straight up says on um what is that documentary on Netflix um soaked in bleach
0: soaked in bleach yeah. yeah
1: um if you guys want to check that out i mean there's many perspectives to this but it's lot it is really Nirvana interesting to watch, watch the pi that courtney love hired to find out how kurt actually died because there's all sorts of facts like the fact that there's no way he possibly could have injected himself with as much heroin as he died with in his system and yet shot himself in the face with a shotgun right. there's like lots of inconsistencies with where he was found and and the cause of death and this and that and there were notes left by suicide notes left by him and notes with left not by his Courtney hand not that, his
0: handwriting. Yes, right? like so many yeah.
1: weird things that you it's guys can go look up. But the point being that the, that this is this this is not the first time that Courtney had hired a PI. She hired one when he died, and the PI literally ended up turning against her and saying right. everything that she was trying to prove basically. It ended up going like the evidence ended up just becoming incriminating at Courtney Love, which was evidence she was submitting. So it's kind of ironic that the P.I. that she's paying is ended up being like, you know what, actually, this is all fucked up and I think it's you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so now that kind of jumped ahead in the story a little bit. So, Sorry, Kurt, yeah. So, no, no, no.
1: Literally so, we're Kurt at Cobain.
2: The end of that. Like, I could not have wrapped that up better than Megan basically, just fucking did. Kurt it right Cobain there.
0: died officially from gunshot
2: wound, It self inflicted gunshot wound. Yeah, and, to they the apparently, face. And, and they apparently found him like two days after the fact like, and at he his had house. had like
1: three times the amount of overdose of heroin necessary of heroin, to yes. overdose. Most so definitely. For someone to be able to inject yourself with three times the necessary dosage of heroin to overdose on, it and then somehow be able to pick up a shot I don't know if anyone's ever seen someone shoot up in their lives or even watched a movie where it happens it's fucking creepy man it, even in the movies no, it's, it's creepy. I've never seen it I've never seen it In real life no one, I, I don't I cannot want imagine to. anybody right room for a dream At a normal, is at a normal, normal is rate a Of any intravenous movie. drugs
0: mm-hmm.
1: Actually being able To pick up a shotgun And shoot themselves oh In the God. face yeah. Especially when they've Taken five times that amount
0: I've only I've only seen it On Absolutely TV shows mm-hmm. And like movies The only like real depiction I've seen of it on TV show Is like celebrity rehab When people are like On drugs
1: Yeah no, And like I've, they don't
0: look They can barely walk Up the stairs I've never seen it In
1: person I'm fortunate to say that And, um, I'm glad that I haven't, but I've, I've seen it reenacted. I've seen it on intervention. I've seen it televised a lot. Uh, every single instance I've ever seen of it in, in real life, or I mean like in Depictions of real life in reality television, or even in a movie. Yeah. I don't see how anyone who's taken three times the overdose amount necessary on heroin could possibly pick up anything and do anything to themselves, much less a seriously. And see the hey, phone in the face. If you
0: want to see what somebody in real life looks like on heroin trying to do something, look up some uh, a video on YouTube. I'm sure it's out there of John Frushanti, the uh, ex, at this point the ex guitar player of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is when he was kicked out of the band after their 1992 album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, Ooh. when he was doing his own solo stuff uh, in his downward spiral of heroin addiction. There is a video of him playing guitar and singing his songs. And go check that out and see if you think people can function.
2: What was the name of the dude? John
0: Fruscianti. John? Yeah, I mean, the guitar player, again, most likely, like we were player. saying,
1: something to be said for people being able to do their thing no matter how effed up they are, but oh, I'm sure no. he's not doing no, it no,
0: well. no, 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 my point is he was not doing it well
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the all. fact that he was standing is shocking.
0: Yeah. but anyway. uh, No, he wasn't standing, he was laying down. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, so. Okay, well, there you go, everyone. <laughs> there there exactly. you, like, you like, go. Like, right down there. Really there. Sitting all down right. on a couch, barely yeah, moving. Yeah, so Kurt died
1: due to, you know, lots of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. so we'll and don't know where that lands but courtney love so, is nuts mm-hmm. no matter talking what about courtney actually- love, talking
0: about courtney love i want to say something real oh, quick so courtney ahead. love all of a sudden so courtney love um whole they were a well, they were a known band They're all of a sudden she had a um a, a working relationship not a personal relationship but a, well personal working not a not a romantic relationship with uh, billy corgan of the smashing pumpkins who's arguably one of you know, the the most memorable people of the 90s grunge scene. Oh, most scene. definitely. And he wrote, the, uh, he wrote one of their most famous songs for them. Um, and I'm just drawing a blank on it right now, but it was on the third album. Of
2: course you are. Man. Yeah,
0: and anyway, <laughs> so he has nothing but good things to say about her. Now, Courtney mm-hmm. Love, around that time, um, had kind of cleaned her act up, moved on from Kurt Cobain's death, and become um, had become an actress. And she mm-hmm. was... Uh, had uh, lead actress with uh, a lead actor Ed Norton in a movie at that time in the late '90s, which I cannot remember the name of the fucking movie, but I saw like pictures of her on the red carpet in that time was like, holy shit, Courtney Love, yeah, you do not look like a junkie, mm-hmm. you do not look like an alcoholic, you look like you got your shit together and you're looking fucking great. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden after that, she kind of spiraled in backwards.
2: Oh she yeah, tripped, she
0: tripped backwards and. To this day still, now she will say, um, blame Kurt Cobain's death on Dave Grohl. And she says Dave Grohl always had a crush on her and Mm. always loved her, and she always turned him down. And she will say that a lot of the Foo Fighters songs that Dave Grohl is writing to this day and over the course of their career were about her and his infatuation with her. Now, that is one side of the story. That is her side of the story. He obviously... Neglects that she's
1: so almost impossible to watch speak because of how full of shit. I just can't and even. And how she
0: has her Drew Barrymore coke lip.
1: Oh yeah, but at least oh. I like Drew Barrymore still because of um that zombie show. No, well not, show not, that's but was that the zombie show that's on Netflix? Not, oh about? yeah,
0: yeah, something diet oh, Santa, Santa Clarita, Clarita Diet, diet? Yeah. amazing. Oh, not, but the
1: movie that we were talking about, by the way, is called The People versus Larry Flint. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, oh, yeah, that was actually a
2: really good movie. Yeah, yeah. So it was. that was
1: the Courtney Love. I'm um, Ed Norton. And, no, she was and, looking fucking. Awesome. And
2: not to she pile was on. She fantastic. The, fantastic. Oh, most definitely. Like, but not to pile on like fuck. the negative feelings about Courtney Love. but like, Pile to, them
1: on. Fuck her.
2: <laughs> but the, to, to, to round out our our whole, our whole podcast here with the 27 Club, we're actually going to a member of uh, Courtney Love's uh, band Hole, which is actually Kristen Marie Path.
1: I think it's Fath. I, Fath? Yeah,
2: you're right. It's yeah. Fath. Fath. It's Fath. It's Fath. Fath. <laughs> Fath. Fath. All right. So she, yeah. <laughs> so, so she was born May twenty sixth, nineteen sixty seven, in Buffalo, New York. Pretty much uneventful childhood, you know, junior high, high school. She ended up going to. Um, this is number seven. This is the last. This of is our number, seven. number seven. Last, last of our, our twenty seven clubs. She actually ended up going to the University of Minnesota. So wow. she's a kind of a local girl. Um, she ended up uh, getting together with a couple of dudes and ended up forming a band called Janitor Joe. Which I had never heard of until researching this band and actually listening to them. They're actually a damn good band. Like it's a very uh, post-punk, like very like early grunge like feel to it. Like Yeah. Most like like, like and, late eighties, early nineties type stuff. Most definitely. And then yeah. she was the basis of that group. And actually a lot of people said like her bass was like a huge foundation of what that made that band like actually. It just stumps.
0: Well, it's a lot of that type of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I believe it was around the summer of, uh, I want to say, like '89. They yeah. were out in San Francisco, and that's when Courtney Love, um, and her guitarist in Hole saw her doing her tour, and it's like, "Hey, you should maybe come out here. That would be pretty fucking dope." And she went back home, actually asked her dad about it, if she wanted to go, and it's just like, um, her dad was just like, "Dude, like." This is, they obviously have, like, international recognition. Go with this fucking band. They're going right. to bring you on. Right, yeah. But the sad thing about it is, like, in their, when she, the, the album that she was on, and I forget which album it was. Was but it Violet? It was, I think it's the one before it. Um, but it was, it was like, their, de- it was their debut, like, national album. Like, because she quit right after that. Because it was literally in that year that they recorded that that she got really heavy into you know, the fucking heroin scene in Seattle. Oh, pretty on the inside. Yep, that yeah. That was it. Yep. And so like literally after they recorded that, she moved back to Minnesota and like literally cleaned up, but she had to go back to Seattle for a couple of days and get her shit back from what apartment she was living in to bring back to Minnesota. Cause she had went on a tour with uh janitor, Joe, the band that she was with after quitting whole and like, Tanner Joe was like, she was doing fucking fantastic. Fucking went back to Seattle. In the in that two days, they found her with like acute opioid poisoning. like, And even like the, uh, the guitarist of uh, Hole, he made a weird like off-putting statement. It's just like, I made a lot of mistakes in my life and people lost their lives by my mistakes. It's just like, <laughs> Woo! yeah, like just to make that general statement, what the fuck? Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. That sounds so, like something Adolf Hitler would say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and and the and the sad thing mm-hmm. is, is it's like, and Kristen was like really heavy into the feminist movement. Like when she was going to the U of M, like she was a part of like a lot of like the programs that brought back like the hotlines for people to be like, dude, I was sexually assaulted and shit like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. And so like to be her, to have her be heavy in the scene just got just, like, caught up. And Especially, to
1: be fair to Courtney Love here, I mean... Kurt died on April 5th of 1994, and Kristen Pfaff died on June 16th of 1994. Oh yeah, so within two months of each other, essentially, she lost her boyfriend. Yep, and her. Band Man
0: member, and, and actually, Courtney friends. Love both, was both like fantastic yeah, friends. I'm sure within
1: yeah. months of each other from yeah. the same thing. I I mean, like seemingly. Opiate mm-hmm. heroin. I mean,
2: suspect, oh yeah, yeah. and uh, seriously, like oh, Courtney Love. Yeah, it's definitely heroin. It's the same oh yeah, thing. Courtney Love actually stated in a magazine or, or a publication or something like the entire like she's like all of our friends are on dope. Everyone is on dope. Like we don't know a single person who's not on dope. The entire right. city is on dope. Like right. it's like. And, I mean, people still have
0: struggled uh, like that over time with that addiction. As we know, uh, the epidemic that happened in the last, like, five years with the, the coding mm-hmm. highway. The epidemic that's happening. It's still happening. The fentanyl and
1: epidemic. The, the fentanyl epidemic. epidemic the opioid I mean, epi- epidemic. Look at, look
0: at people like Chris Cornell who... Survive, seemingly survived that epidemic and relapsed
2: recently and died as like in his forties. And I'll, I'll honestly bring up one of my favorite actors, uh, Seymour Philip Hoffman. Yeah, same who, thing. Was, who was a heroin addict. Wait, and wait, wait,
1: Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour,
2: Seymour, wait, Seymour Hoffman. My Philip? bad. Seymour Hoffman. My bad. But like, the, like the problem.
1: Rain, rain Man. <laughs> Old school.
2: The problem with especially especially artists that that especially do heroin and they get like the off. Degrees, and-
0: that's the best part.
1: What? <laughs>
2: But with heroin addicts, especially when they get off of it for like a couple of years, like they, the next time they do it, they usually do the Too amount much. that they were doing. Exactly. Yeah.
1: No, That's even, that's that. even happens, unfortunately, to people that I know. So,
2: um, so
1: unfortunately, so common that I'm, we're almost desensitized <sighs> to it. It's, it's really sad, right? Um, but when the, we look at say, all the like, people we've talked about, the first, the earliest being Janice, Yeah, they there's a whole documentary on HBO called One Nation Under Stress, and it kind of examines all of the stress factors that have become increasingly bad for people in our demographic and the generation before us since 1989. But I mean, Janice is an example of that. This has sort of always been an epidemic, but they are saying that, you know, economy and everything like that is definitely spiraling people into enough stress that they're becoming mm-hmm. addicted to opioids and when the doctor takes them off their prescription then they don't know what to do and they resort to intravenous drugs and etc cetera, etc cetera. so
2: right goddamn check out intraven- check out that documentary because goddamn knowledge is power and knowing is half the battle gi yeah. joe motherfucker yep, that's you right. <laughs> right and hey i want to go back real, like
0: so that song i was thinking about with billy corgan and uh yeah was off of the album celebrity skin it was self-titled celebrity skin okay and uh, like you you if you heard that riff you would know it mm-hmm. and you're like damn this is the best whole song they've ever written one of the best well it's so, whole, crazy because like when billy when, corgan's uh, ever written
2: just like dipping back to nirvana like when they released Nevermind, that like blew open the entire scene for, but changed like, the scene for well, everybody God, like was Soundgarden? Bands, was bands God doing Soundgarden. Sound had Garden been doing my, it. Like, oh. They had been
0: doing that shit for like four years at that point. Mm-hmm. But Nirvana is what made it mainstream and mm-hmm. made that music palpitable to the masses. Palatable. Pal- palatable. There we go. Palpitable. No, <laughs> I'm trying to say palpitable.
1: No, you're not. Is that a word? No, it isn't. <laughs>
0: Palatable, palpable,
1: and palatable are words. Palpable. Don't put them together; they don't mean any of those same things. I thing. mean
0: palpable. Then, mm-hmm. what is palpable?
1: It means that you can feel it, you can touch it, that it's so present that it's right there. Palatable so means that you can like tolerate it, and that it's like. <laughs> but easy, I, I
2: totally agree like, with you on that because, palatable. because Kurt Cobain actually like in the later years like really kind of like almost like disdained his audience because they he felt like they were enjoying the music but not like enjoying the symbology of it because he right. was very much a Christian. Like back in the day, and like, oh, there's right. a lot of symbology if you actually listen to that shit. Yeah. So Chris or Chris Chris Cobain, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Yeah, Chris Cobain. Yeah. Kurt
0: Cobain actually has one of my favorite uh, quotes ever, and um, I'm sure you can find. It. I'm sure it's, the interview is out there somewhere on YouTube. I saw it um, in a documentary called "With the Lights Out." Okay. Uh, which was a lot of concert footage and interview footage. And I remember that. It's um It's a really good one. So check it out. But he has one of these great quotes where it says. Ever since the 1950s, rock and roll has reared its head about every 10 years. And he's like, and we're just in that time right now. And that's talking about them blowing up and and taking over the hair metal thing. Because hair metal was becoming so pop and glam and more um, not rock and more Bon Jovi version of hair metal. Yeah. At that era, when Nirvana blew up, they were stripping it down more like rock, like roots (laughs) rock. And that spurred a whole decade of rock and roll, yeah. like roots rock bands, like Black Crowes. And you got bands like Jane's Addiction yeah. all of a sudden coming out of that. Mm-hmm. You got bands like Soundgarden who had been doing it for a while. Yeah. All these bands have been doing it for a while and these players have been God, doing it God, we could do a whole
2: drunk history right? on Jane's Addiction, God oh, damn. Shit. Seriously, I know, right? They're fantastic.
0: <laughs> but um, all of a sudden that made rock music cool again instead mm-hmm. of this 80s glam hair metal, which was cool in its own right. I'm not going to say that... 80s hair metal is not cool. It was cool in its own right. It just was played out at this time. Yeah. And this band came through. Nirvana came through. And bands like Hole came through. Yeah. And bands like L7 came -hmm. through. And just, and like the Screaming Trees, Mudhoney, et cetera. All these things. And it's like, seems very Seattle based. Mm -hmm. It it very much was. But they ripped through the nation, you know, like a hurricane. And it totally turned almost overnight. Turned what popular music was on its head. Mm-hmm. And bands have been doing that every 10 years. You look at uh bands like Led Zeppelin in the late 60s, a super group that all of a sudden is like, whoa, this I is what do, heavy metal, metal, metal is. And you got, an Blacks, you got Zeppelin, like Black Sabbath and Zeppelin coming out <laughs> mm-hmm. around the same era. Boom. All of a sudden, 70s are going through, 70s gets more disco. Then you have early 80s and you got bands like <sighs> Venom and oh. their black metal. like <laughs> And shit like that that comes out and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. we thought we knew what metal music was. Now all of a sudden we got these like, we got death metal, the modern in, in, you know, Mm -hmm. or the, and we could go on about this. We could go on
1: on. about definitely. To sum this up. Okay. So uh, BMJ did a study in 2011 that basically like asked is 27 like some special weird number like whatever. Mm -hmm. And they basically concluded um, that young adult musicians have a higher death rate than the rest of the young adult population in general. And we're quoted as saying that fame may increase the risk of death among musicians, though the age is not limited to 27, obviously. But the last study that was published, and Charles Cross wrote this in post of that study, was that the number of musicians... Thank you so much for hanging with us. It's a 27 Club, everybody.
0: Our first Drunk History episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back. We will be back. Thank you. All right.